Howdy folks, this is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that into the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. There it is. If you've got your Bibles, the first place we're going to be is Jeremiah. Jeremiah. So uh, turn over there. It has been nearly one year since I got my cast off. For those of you that are new to Save the Cowboy, uh, two days before Thanksgiving last year, and when I mean last year, I'm not talking about a couple of months ago, I'm talking about in 2012, um, two days before Thanksgiving, I was helping a friend of mine here and uh, right down the road work some cows, or actually it was a bull, and a big old bull, and we were doing some stuff to it, and he lunged for it, and I had my hand where it shouldn't have been, and I snapped my forearm in half. I've, there's a picture of it on Facebook. I mean, the bone is like this. It's pretty nasty break and everything, but it's been about a year since I got the cast off, and, and I'll never forget the day, the day I got my cast off. I'm standing in the doctor's office, and he says, well, you know, I mean, he said, it, it, it's healed together, but he said, I don't think it's all the way through, but I'm tired of you using the power tools on your arm to itch your arm, so I'm going to go ahead and take your cast off, but you have to be certain of one thing. And I said, what's that? He said, Whatever you do, don't fall on that arm. I looked at him like he had lost his mind. He didn't know that I was a certified ninja. Ninjas don't fall down. I ain't fell down since I was probably two and a half years old, so I ain't fell down in like 20 years. You know what I mean? This man did not know who he was talking to. I'm a certified cowboy ninja from old school. And I scoffed at him like, fall down? <laughs> Whatever, buddy. Shoot, I could fall down and land on my feet. It was snowing that day, much like it was yesterday. Hey, let me ask you a question. Something happened. Me and Riley and Jeremy were on the way to work, or to work, to church this morning, and I turned on the heater and it snowed in my vehicle. Is that normal? That happens? That's crap. I get in there to get away from that. I nearly pulled over and we nearly prayed over my Tahoe. It was snowing inside. It's not supposed to do that. Texans, I don't want to hear another word out of y'all. It don't snow in your vehicle. Sissies. Now, they're not prepared for it down there. I will say that. We got all the snow plows and everything. They got one snow shovel for the entire western half of the state. That's it. That's all they got. And thank goodness we don't live in Canada, right? Shannon, Earl, I don't see how y'all do it. They, they watch on from uh, uh, Manitoba, Canada, every Sunday. They're on there right now. I've seen them while ago, so that's cool. But anyway, so anyway, it was snowing that day that I got my cast off, much like it was yesterday. And so, anyway, I got home, and, you know, if you've ever broken something, your hand kind of feels a little funny. <laughs> like you can't use it, you ain't got any 
strength left in it, and it looks like you've been transformed into some type of living alligator or something like that. It's all nasty and everything. But anyway, so I, you know, we, we get home, and I had gone, me and Christy had just got home. We'd gone somewhere else, and it was like probably 7 o'clock at night, so it was dark. And I'll never forget, we walked in the house, and the place that we were living in then had like this ceramic tile entranceway, so it was easy to clean up, you know, whenever you came in. And we had the old dog kennel right there, one of those big old black wire cage kennels uh, for the dogs, you know. So when they came in all muddy and everything, you just, they went right into the kennel until they dried off a little bit. And so we had a system, right? And so anyway, we walked in right there, and Christy shut the door. And you know, we all do it, you know. We, I've got leather-soled boots on, and I'm like this, trying to pull my boot off, and you got three guesses what happened. My leg goes, whew. I caught myself, though, like ninja. Whew. But then my leg that I caught myself with, it slipped. So I went like that, but boy, I was ninja enough to bring that other leg back around, and I'm going to try to simulate, and it kind of looked like this. Which, this was my wife. Honey, 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 oh, oh, honey, honey, honey. It's exactly what she looked like. Her encouragement helped tremendously. So did the wire cage that I busted my butt on. When I fell, the little cage door was open. And that wire hit me right under here. And I bent that cage door in half. It still don't shut right. And I land, when I hit that, of course, it bent all the crap, landed right on my arm. Not four hours after that cast came off. Pain shot through my arm to my toes. And I got up, and of course, like anything, you know, when somebody gets hurt, they're like, you okay? You okay? Does, is there any part of you that thinks I'm okay right now? <laughs> the ego was just hurting just as bad as anything was. And everything, I'm like, I'm okay. And you know how, like, when something hurts real bad, it starts to shake? That's what my arm was doing. It was just sitting there just shaking. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And I look over, and Riley and Griffin are like. <laughs> they could care less. They are my kids, I promise you, because I've been doing the same thing. You fall down, I'll take you to the hospital laughing. It's funny. I don't care who you are. But, you know, after all of that, to this day, so you're going to have to tell Shannon to quit trying to teach my wife some yoga stuff. Christy came on the other day. She goes, hey, try this. You get down like this and you put your hip on your elbow like this and you stick your legs out like this. She said, you try that. I was like, I can do that. She goes, prove it. I said, I ain't got to prove nothing to you. Later on, I tried it. And my arm, he told me I would lose some momentum in my arm and everything. I couldn't even get my arm over there. I felt crippled. Not as crippled as I felt the first time I had to go to the bathroom and I had a cast this big on my right hand. It was not pleasant. 
and trying to learn to zip your zipper with your left hand? My left hand is basically a useless appendage unless it is holding reins and rope or driving. It's all my left hand is good for. I mean, if I wanted to use it up here, I just kind of... <laughs> and just scoot it around. So whenever I had my hand in that cast, it just felt like I couldn't do anything. It didn't matter if, if I you know, was driving, trying to drive a stick shift or something like that. Just everything that I tried to do, it just got in the way of. Today, we are also going to talk about something in our Christian walk with our faith that, that gets in the way. It just seems to make things hard. And the thing about it is... More often than not, the three things that I'm going to tell y'all today are going to be, you're going to be like, mm -mm, that ain't right, preacher. But I don't take my word for it. Go home, study the Bible on this, and there's something that you, you can look at what I'm going to say today. If you have an attitude that you're going to think that I'm wrong and, and you want to look at me in a negative light, then you're going to take what I say negatively. If you try to hear from God and see how we can grow from this, I encourage you to do that. The first thing that we're going to talk about, what cripples our Christian walk, is this right here. How many times have we heard this statement, and how many times have you believed it? God won't give you anything more than you can handle. We hear it all the time. Doesn't matter where you're at, if somebody's saying, you know, I've got a problem and everything, inevitably, somebody that claims to believe in Jesus Christ is going to say, well, just remember, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. Did you know that there is no biblical basis for that whatsoever? It is unbiblical. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to hell for thinking that. I'm saying that it cripples your faith. Because let me ask you this question. If you could handle everything, why would you need God? Now, I will tell you that that is a twisted version of when Paul says that God will not allow any temptation to come upon you that he will not give you a way out of. But still, it's him the one that's doing it. You notice it says, God will not allow any temptation to come upon you that he will not give you a way out of. Do not ever think when you're going through that problem, well, God won't give me anything more than, he can ha than I can handle. That is not true by any means. You know, when people use that, isn't it amazing how it's always in a negative light? That, that somehow it insinuates that God is causing your problems. This is the worst time of my life. God won't give you anything more than you can handle. What is that saying? Everything you're going through, God is putting you through. That is not true whatsoever. God does not cause these major problems in your life. Some of it is just life, folks. It, I mean, just as the rain falls on the just and the unjust, it, life is going to happen to people. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to the guy sitting next to you that don't know Jesus Christ from Jesus Gonzalez. Okay? I mean, it, it, people are going to have good times and bad times. It makes you feel like if you were a better Christian, it wouldn't be so hard. Because isn't that what they're telling you? Well, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. So in you sitting here having and struggling with this, when somebody says that, what they're actually insinuating is, number one, that God is causing your problems. Number two is that uh, if you were a better Christian, 
this wouldn't be such a big deal now, would it? It is amazing how people believe that. God won't give me anything more than I can handle. Number one, God gave you free will. Things are going to happen, okay? Things are going to happen. And what he says throughout the entire Bible is to depend upon him. He says, depend upon me, trust in me, let me do it. He gets adamant about it from the beginning to the end. It's all depend on me, depend on me, not depend on yourself, not depend on yourself. Jeremiah 17, verse 7, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, says this, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Not themselves. Does it say anything about ourselves? But blessed are those who trust in themselves and have made themselves their hope and confidence. That's what it says when it says God won't give anything more than you can handle. Like God is just like, let's see how when he's going to break here. We're just going to keep pouring it on him until... No, God doesn't do that, folks. Satan will, but God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. You know, the simplified cowboy version of Jeremiah 17, 7 says this. Trusting in yourself for strength works about as well as roping a bull off a stick horse. Glad you said Yahoo, Rudy. Hey. Get behind me, Satan. But isn't that what we do when we depend on ourselves? Get your stick horse out there and go out there and rope a bull and jerk it in a trailer. That's what depending on yourself is like. It's absurd. You can't do it. Only God can do these things. When you're going through these rough struggles, that, is, that does not mean that you don't have a relationship with God. It means you need to turn that deal up and sit back and go, you know what, God? Only you can handle this. And I'm going to put my faith and trust in you that you are going to handle it. And I'm going to quit whining about it. And I'm going to keep doing what you told me to do in all facets of it, even, it's a, even if it's a consequence. Do not let somebody tell you God won't give you anything more than you can handle. It's false all the way around, not just the handling part. God's not going to sit there and try to, you know, crush you. He loves you. You wouldn't do that to your kids. And God's a lot better than you are. He's not going to do it to you. Now, he may let you suffer a consequence. Absolutely, he might. But we've got to get away from that crippled version of well, you know what? God won't give you anything more than you can. It's not right. You know, fire can be used for good or bad, okay? You think about that. Fire can be used for good things and bad things. Some of the things that you can use fire, actual fire for, we use it every day in some form or fashion to cook our food. We use it every day, especially right now, we use it every day to provide warmth for our homes in some form or fashion. It's good. We use it to, I mean, you can use it to heat water for sterilization, to boil water to sterilize something. There are good things that can be used with food, I mean, with uh, fire. As a matter of fact, you know, all of us have seen one of those old cowboy movies or something when somebody's, you know, they got to cut somebody's leg off and they, they heat up the, the iron and then cauterize it. I mean, it causes a lot of pain, but it also saves lives, right? Fire can be used for a lot of good things, but it can also be used to harm. 
it can be used for arson. I know Scott Goggin, uh, me, y'all know, uh, he's here. We need, to, we need to be in prayer for him. He lost everything he had in arson. Somebody burned his stuff down, I think. At least that's the initial deal. Arson. It, I mean, it can be used to destroy people's lives. It, it, you know what? Back in the day, they burned people at the stake. You want to talk about using fire for evil and for bad, it can most certainly be used for that. You know, and, and, and although I'm not saying that this is necessarily bad, but sometimes we, don't we, you can actually build a bonfire to warm up a tortilla. We can just overuse it to where, you know, it, it catches the pasture on fire and it, it can just be a bad thing if it's not really controlled. It can easily just, just spread like wildfire. Fire can be used for good or bad. Now, let me ask you. Now, I'm making an analogy here, so do not think that I'm actually going very far into left field, but sometimes in order to understand something hard, we have to figure out an easy way to put it and then understand that and then go back to the more difficult thing. And that's exactly what we're doing. What if one of the commandments, what if one of the commandments said this, thou shalt not use fire badly? Thou shalt not use fire badly. Does that mean that we can't cook with it? No. Does that mean that we can't use it to warm up our homes? No. Does that mean that we cannot boil water to sterilize it or to sterilize something else? No, it doesn't. It says, thou shalt not use fire badly. If that was a commandment, would you understand to be able to be a mature Christian and say, you know what, I can tell the difference between using fire for harm and using fire for good. Because God didn't say that we couldn't use fire. He said, do not use fire badly. Okay? Bear with me here. Could we understand that? Would we then walk around burning people's houses down? No, that would be using fire badly. Or would we walk around claiming that all fire was bad? No, he didn't say that all fire was bad. He said, don't use fire badly. Now, before I tell you what I'm fixing to say, the second thing that cripples us, you have to understand something. I don't care if you take one verse out of the Bible. You have to view it in its context of the entire Bible. Not the sentence before it, not just the sentence after it. I'm talking about in context of the entire Bible because when you isolate one sentence, you can, you can read a lot of stuff into that, okay? So what I'm fixing to tell you, we have to look at the scope of the entire Bible, not just one verse. One of the devil's greatest accomplishments was convincing us Christians of this right here, that thou shalt not bear false witness means that you cannot judge. In other words... The devil's greatest accomplishment has taken the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness, and turn it into you can't say anything about anybody else. That is not true. But, 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 I can hear it now. People are like, well, you can't judge me. Yes, as a matter of fact, I can. And so can the person sitting next to you, the person behind you. They can judge you. It is not unbiblical to judge in that light. But please, let me explain through a court illustration. Because that's what you make it think of when it says, thou shalt not bear false witness. It sounds like a court, right? In the court illustration, 
We cannot be the final judge in sentencing. We cannot judge. We do not have the mental or the good capacity in order to, to, uh, to pronounce final judgment. That is, regard, that is in regard for God and God alone. But it doesn't mean that we cannot testify to somebody's actions. It doesn't say that. It says do not bear false witness. It does not say you cannot bear witness. It, say, it doesn't say thou shalt not use fire badly. It doesn't say that you can't use fire. You can't use fire badly. Doesn't, it says thou shalt not bear false witness. It doesn't say that thou shalt not bear witness. It says false witness. We testify in the court system all the time. Did you know that the election of elders in 2 Timothy and in Titus says stuff like this? Um, that, that an elder of the church needs to have one spouse at a time. Now, some people have taken that to mean that you can't be divorced and everything like that. I'm not going to get into that. But it says that you should only have one spouse. You can't have 14 wives. Why you would want to, I don't know. And I'm sure y'all ladies feel the same way about your husbands. You think that toilet is nasty with one man? Have ten. <laughs> it says you, that you should, you know, if you, if you strive to be a leader in the church, that you should only have one spouse. It also says that you can't be a drunkard. It doesn't say that you can't drink. It says don't be a drunkard. We have to use common sense here, not read stuff into it. It says it plainly. It says you can't be a drunkard. It says you must have a good standing in the community. So if I'm going to look at Doug Hewlett, who is our new leadership, I looked at his life. He only has one wife. He's not a drunkard. He's got great standing in the community. That's why he was chosen, along with Glenn and Pete and everybody else. That's why I asked them. They have great standing in the community. Guess what I did? I judged them. I looked at their actions to see if they were worthy. The Bible doesn't say that we cannot judge. It says you cannot bear false witness. If someone is causing division in a church, if one of y'all was wreaking havoc, trying to split this church down the middle, you know what I'm commanded to do? To go to you and talk to you about that. But if I walk up to somebody and say, you know what, you're causing division in the church. Well, you can't judge me. Well, as a matter of fact, I can. Because the, the fellowship of the body of believers, the church, needs to be protected from the wolves. The Bible says a lot about that. But you have to judge somebody's actions for that. The Bible does not say that we cannot judge. It says do not bear false witness. What are some ways that you bear false witness? Condemning people for a sin in their life. Just because I'm telling you that biblically speaking it says that we can judge others doesn't mean that you should. Especially going around and condemning people. That is not what that was meant for. Jesus said get the plank out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in somebody else's. He said, before, now before you testify, you better make sure all your stuff is lined up, cowboy. Because there ain't nothing worse than going up to somebody and nitpicking them whenever you've got a whole trailer load of stuff over here. Condemning people for their sin is using judgment badly. It's using fire badly to condemn them. Well, you do this. That's using it badly. Gossip 
is bearing false witness. Even if it's true, if you're going around telling everybody it's gossip and that's false witness. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 says, For I fear that perhaps when I come I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps maybe there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Did you know that all of those are bearing false witness? Quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder are all using fire badly, bearing false witness. Jesus, uh, he, Paul says that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, so why are we going to go condemn somebody else's for their sin that's no worse than the unconfessed sin in all of our lives? You cannot bear false witness. Now, y'all come back next week, and we're going to finish this thing up. And if you think it's been a surprise up until now, wait till next week. Join us, same time, same place, and we'll finish this thing up. Listen up. This is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. You want to hear the most exciting news since the invention of toilet paper? Save the Cowboy wants to start a church in your area. We have a new program called Save the Cowboy Line Camps, and if you've been wishing that there was a Save the Cowboy in your area, then God is probably laying it on your heart to help me start one. Just go to savethecowboy.com and you can email me for more information. Come on, cowboys and cowgirls. Let's all do our part in this gathering. This program was brought to you in its entirety due to the generous donation of Western LLC. They are a turnkey development company for the oil and gas and aviation industry. If you need it built to put something in, there ain't a better Christian value company to call on than them. Visit them at westernllc.com.